0: Hey, Real Talkers, thanks to those of you that support our Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship through our art fundraisers, our jewelry fundraisers, our golf classic every year. We're able to award scholarships, financial supports to post-secondary students in Canada who've lost a parent to cancer. It's a nightmare scenario for them, but they're overcoming in remarkable ways. And in this episode, you're going to meet the 2023 recipients.
1: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: Well, Real Talkers, I hope you're ready to have your hearts filled and, and blown up and, and broken and filled again. This is going to be one of the most special episodes of Real Talk that you're ever going to tune into. I guarantee it. Today, we're going to introduce you to the not one, but two recipients of the 2023 Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. We're going to introduce you to them in just a second. I want to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at Rello. We are now officially fall in full swing mode. And for you, well, you know that back to school isn't necessarily just for the kids. If you've been feeling stuck or unsatisfied in your job, now is the perfect time to go back to school to start your new career. Launch a rewarding career in real estate with Rello's affordable online courses. Their courses make it so easy to pass your exam and get your real estate license so you can start running your own business, setting your own hours, and being your own boss. The earning potential is unlimited, and you'll be helpful helping people every single day as they buy or sell their homes. The best thing about Rello is how committed they are to your success. They have live instructors who host online exam prep sessions every single Saturday, plus a ton of resources to help you launch your real estate business well after you've passed the exam and gotten licensed. Right now, you can save 20% off any Rello course with the code REALTALK. You can get started today at R E L O, that's Rello.ca. Well, if you're a, a longtime supporter, a listener, a, a viewer, uh, a patron, a sponsor of this show, you likely know who Julie Rohr is, a beloved friend of this show. She was the founding member of our editorial board. She was a journalism graduate, a mom, an artist, a philanthropist, a community organizer, a political commentator. She was a recurring guest on this show right up until a very short time before her passing due to a rare form of cancer, a cancer that she bravely battled for more than seven years She left an indelible mark on our team and on this audience. And before she passed, with her blessing and with her family's support, we were able to establish, through the Edmonton Community Foundation, the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. It commits to doing what we can to help ease some of the financial burdens that post secondary students can face. And per Julie's wishes, in particular, The scholarship is awarded every year to a post-secondary student somewhere in Canada who's lost a parent to cancer. There was an interesting development this year, year two of the scholarship, because our judges, the Real Talk editorial board, were in deadlock. They simply could not choose a final winner Between the two applications that had risen above the rest. So thank you to the generosity of supporters like you, people who have contributed to the Slavo Check Beautiful Chaos Pendant fundraiser. Those of you who have supported the Emerald Waters, that beautiful DK gray painting fundraiser that's currently underway. You can check the show notes for more on that. And of course, those of you who have supported by way of attending or sponsoring the Real Talk Golf Classic, we earned, we raised a little bit more than we thought we were going to this year. And our judges, therefore, were able to award two Julie Rohr scholarships for 2023. It is my immense pleasure to introduce you to two of the newest friends of the show, but they've automatically vaulted into our inner circle Tyler Gauthier and Manuela Lopez-Aldana. Welcome both of you to the show, and, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank we you. appreciate it. Both of you are students at the University of Alberta. Right. Tyler, you're a, a student in environmental and conservation studies. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. And you have an end goal of what?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, there are so many opportunities within, the, uh, within my Discipline, but uh, one thing I definitely want to do is to uh, connect with my father, uh, whatever uh, may come next, and uh, inspire uh, my fellow Indigenous
0: youth to uh, pursue the same path as well. We're gonna learn uh, a little bit about your dad uh, over the course of this conversation. Sounds like he was an absolutely remarkable person and you do a marvelous job of, of telling the story of the impact that he had on your life. Uh, Manuela, you're a student in media studies and sociology. Yeah. Uh, entering, or you've just entered year four. You you can see the light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Almost there. <laughs> so a little bit to go.
0: How how are you hoping to to apply your studies uh, to, toward your career?
1: Well, I hope to in the future to further research the intimate relationships people have online. Because back in Colombia, one of the things I always heard as I was growing up with Facebook, it's like there were past situations people would end up in. And I realized there's a lack of digital literacy on online safety, and there's no programs that are applied strictly with education. And from other researchers, uh, one of the key ways we can help to support the educators, to give them resources to help the students as well, of where to go when they need help and what to do in those situations i want to devote my life to hopefully helping those programs
0: you brought a very special guest to the studio today do you think it's okay if do you think it's okay if we mention that your mom claudia is here yeah. with us <laughs> how important is she in your life
1: oh, she's very important i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my parents bringing us to canada she...
0: what, what year did you move to canada
1: i moved here in the start of 2011
0: Okay, so you were a young person at the time. Yeah. What do you remember about those first few months in this new country?
1: It was very hard. I didn't know any English. It was very quiet. And compared to Colombia, it was a very, like, it seemed like paradise to me. Like, I could go outside and ride my bike. I thought that was the best thing in the world. And I could take the bus to school, just like you saw in the movies. So... It was very exciting, very scary as well, because I didn't know the language.
0: What do you remember about your dad around the time that your family first moved here?
1: Oh, when we first moved here, when we moved to Edmonton at the time, it was uh, my siblings and my dad. My mom was still working a little bit in Colombia. And he was trying to cook. He wasn't the best at it. And he decided to make chicken nuggets in the oven and burnt them. (laughs) That's... The one thing I remember from when we first moved to Canada. That's
0: one of your first memories. Yeah. You realized as a young girl you were going to need to step up and help out.
1: My sister stepped up. She's like a great chef because my dad couldn't cook.
0: Oh, amazing. (laughs) Well, I can't wait for our audience to hear a little bit more about your dad as well. Sounds like just an amazing community connector um, and, and someone that it sounds like your neighbors and community members were lucky to know, let alone the impact that he had on your life. Uh, Tyler, your dad was was a, a Métis. Was he a hunting guide? He was a, he was a guide for years and years and years.
2: Yeah, he was kind of a jack-of-all-trades in that area. Uh, he was, uh, I think, the ideal definition of a steward of the land. Yeah. Uh, loved being in the outdoors, great sportsman, loved to hunt, fish, hike. Uh, yeah, he was also a hunting guide especially for American tourists. He worked in the parks. He worked in Jasper uh, as maintenance. Uh, he also uh, fought fires every summer and he was, uh, and he led expeditions out there too. Wow. With his knowledge. So yeah, he has uh, a lot of great experience.
0: Maybe not in the firefighting, but, but, but in the guiding side, were, were you as a young boy or a young man able to accompany him? Is that something you were able to witness him doing firsthand?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. It's, I didn't realize until I was older, just how incredible it is because he, it was just, you know, second nature to him. It was so natural. He just, uh, he just did everything so easy. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now y- your story has, uh, an added element to it. You are a cancer survivor. How old were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, it was
2: right before my 21st birthday back in 2009. So about 14, about 15 years ago.
0: What do you remember about that diagnosis in that early time fighting cancer?
2: uh, It was a big shock because when you're at that age, uh, you know, health and stuff like that is the last thing on your mind. You're kind of just focusing on uh, growing and putting yourself out there. And then it just completely stops and you have to uh, focus on one thing rather than on the past or in the future. So. Yeah, extremely
0: challenging. What role did your dad play in your life at that time when, when you were fighting osteosarcoma? He was an incredibly strong uh, moral supporter.
2: Uh, he really came through for us. He was a big positive influence. Uh, he drove me to my appointments all the time. Uh, I always traveled to the city with me, to the Cross Cancer Institute, and uh, made sure I was well taken care of.
0: Mm. That would have been before his diagnosis. Yeah, right before. How, how many years in between your clean bill of health and your dad's diagnosis? It was actually months. Months. Yeah, literally. Uh, I finished my chemo
2: treatments in the end of May 2010 and uh, recovered that summer. And uh, my dad noticed something wasn't right. And he was having all these appointments. And then in September, there was a possibility he knew that he had pancreatic cancer. And... Uh, and by the end of October, it was official. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, incredibly devastating. But, um, uh, How old was your dad when he was diagnosed? I believe he was about, about 66. Okay. 65, 66. Around yeah. there. And, and
0: so your family for the better part of 10 years, I guess you know, or, or at least five years in the fight, your your family from from one member to another was dealing with the emotional toll and the, and the mental toll and everything else, the financial toll of fighting cancer. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, uh, when I was dealing with it personally,
2: uh, it is hard, but uh, it's not as painful as uh, what my family had to endure simply because uh, I was in the driver's seat, let's just say. So I felt very comfortable and confident. But then, when I saw my dad suffer, that was probably worse than what I ever endured uh, that entire time. So, mm. yeah,
0: Manuela, your 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 family moves to Canada. You're a young girl. Uh, very little English spoken in the entire family, correct?
1: Um, my brother and sister, mom and dad, and they knew English. I was the only one who didn't.
0: Okay, so how did what do you remember when your when your mom's still working in Colombia and you, and your dad's there and your family's sort of integrating into this new culture and, and and everything else. What do you remember about your dad in those early years and, and his support of the family and, and, and his outreach in the neighborhood and how he connected with people?
1: He had a very easy way of connecting with people. He always made friends everywhere we went, which like, you'd go out for a walk, go for a bike ride, and then he just stopped, start talking, and make a friend. And it's like, now you just know them every single time you go out. Yeah. And same thing at his work, um, his uh, colleagues and friends became closer to us as well. He was just very well-known. He was like a very happy-spirited person, and he always found a way to make you laugh.
0: Your dad was was diagnosed uh with stage 4 colon cancer just a short time ago about 4 years ago. Yeah. You were a high school student at the time. Yes. What do you remember a, a, about when you first heard that terrible news?
1: Um so it was around March of 2019 and I had gone with him to an appointment with my brother and that's after the appointment like he came out pale and so with my brother and it's like It was very shocking because we're like, there's a possibility this could be happening. And then a few weeks after we found out it was, our whole life basically turned upside down because at the time my mom was working away, we were all doing our own thing. And we just like decided, like we realized we couldn't keep living how we were living. We needed to come together to take care of him because we didn't know if the treatment was gonna work. And it's scary because you don't really know the outcome. Mm.
0: You, you wrote in your application, uh, or in your letter to our editorial board, you, you said we were, you know, due to the advancement, the advancement of my dad's condition, he required care 24-7. You said we were running to doctor's appointments, pharmacies, grocery stores, taking care of him all while trying to remain devoted to my studies and working part-time. Uh, To try to support your family Uh, You said my dad passed away in March right when finals started so I had to push myself to finish my studies For the semester despite wanting to just stop and grieve That's something that a lot of students could never relate to Yeah, the magnitude of a loss like that and trying to balance Competing interests and most importantly look out for your own well-being and that of your family
1: yeah. During that time and ever since it's since he was diagnosed, our number one priority was him. If it meant one of us couldn't drive him to his appointments, the reason I learned to drive was to drive him to his appointments. Because I didn't know at the time how to drive. Mm. And it's like, no, I need to be able to drive. I need to be able to take him there if he needs to go to the pharmacy, if he needs to go to a doctor's appointment, if he needs a new medicine. If anything happens, I needed to learn how to drive. And there were times where i would miss classes to go drive him or to go bring him food and it seems like a marathon we were all running for the for the past four years with him because there was always something you needed to do to help him because he was suffering in the stage he was in and we couldn't just sit and watch mm.
0: how would you say your dad's legacy most Resonates within you. What is the biggest impact that your dad has made on your life?
1: He taught me how to be curious and to not fail like it's okay to fail not to be afraid to fail because when he started out his whole career he was working in construction back in Colombia and he was just a very very smart person And he ended up getting curious and doing engineering work when he didn't even know what engineering was. And then he ended up becoming an engineer. And then as time went on, teaching himself how to code. And I was just so inspired. I'm like, I want to learn how to code too. If you can do it, I can do it too. So I did the same thing. I took the summer and I was just like learning how to code with him. And from my love of computers, that's the same thing he had. I just feel very connected. And it's why I love to work with like um, the nonprofit I work with because they're all software engineers and it's like the same thing. And even implemented into the work I hope to do in the future, I feel connected with him because we somehow have a way of like understanding how computers work from the back end and the front end and then how it connects with people overall.
0: You've used like one of my most favorite words of all time. Uh, curiosity I love this like I feel like my own career mantra like I don't know about you guys but I sit there and I every day I want to make a commitment to stay curious and we promise people that this show will stay curious curiosity is such a powerful driving force isn't it
1: yes definitely I I think I got his curiosity and because of that I ended up in like situations you never think you would dream of you would be in and it's like even when I wanted to dance he's he was the number one supporter he's like you want to dance you can do it just go ahead don't be scared and he would go with me to all my dance competitions and come watch me dance at school it's just if i'm curious he would always support me
0: wonderful i want to hear more about your dad and and uh and tyler you also reference um i mean you 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 didn't mess around in, in your letter to our editorial board and you talk about the disadvantages that many indigenous families have have uh, faced um, lifelong impacts. You write that both the federal and provincial governments have brought toward indigenous peoples. And I'm hoping that we can talk about that a little bit. For sure. And how that motivates you. Uh, we're talking to Tyler Gauthier and Manuela Lopez Aldana. Thank you to the generosity and support of Real Talkers like you. Uh, they are this year's recipients of the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. You know, those sponsors we talk about, for example, at at our Real Talk Golf Classic, that includes uh, Real Talk partners like the team at California Closets. I was talking to... Cameron Johnson, the president of California Closets just yesterday, and he was so excited to hear that these two were going to be joining us in studio. California Closets not only supporting our golf classic, not only supporting our pond hockey classic, but also, of course, real talk on a week-to-week basis. They're the masters of custom closets and storage solutions for the entire home. Nobody touches the design quality and the installation excellence that California Closets brings to the table. And they're not just closets. Bedrooms, workspaces, living areas. Even garages and storage rooms, they do it all. And it all starts with a free consultation. You can get in touch with their team today at californiaclosets.ca. You know, we trust our food, our dog food. We feed our furry family members Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food. And we were feeding our dogs Grand Dog Essentials before This family-owned business came on board as a Real Talk sponsor. Why? Because we've seen the health benefits of our dogs eating Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food. I want to put a couple things on your radar. If you go to granddog.ca, you go to the Shop Now link, you can check out not just the food itself, but their supplements as well for dogs and cats. There's a great Kibble Bowl Boost supplement bundle that's designed to help your dog digest their food efficiently and support their immune system with omega-3. They've also got soil-based probiotics. They've got sea green-lipped muscle oil. That's great for aging dogs or dogs that experience anxiety. And our 11-year-old boxer Moses is using that four-leaf rover Natural joint support supplement. It's helping him with his. He's got a bum leg, but this stuff we're seeing the impact, the difference there. The promo code Real Talk knocks ten percent off your first time order. Delivered to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta. It all starts with a visit to Granddog.ca. If this fall you're thinking of bettering your career chances, you maybe want to take advantage of a job market with some new opportunities and new openings. But you know you want to educate yourself or better prepare yourself first. Take two minutes and check out athabascau.ca. Athabasca University is Canada's open university with world-class accredited online programs and courses that offer flexibility. If your family's encountering a health challenge, you need a mental health break, maybe the kids are begging you to take them for a week away somewhere, you don't have to worry about falling behind because you're dictating the pace of your studies. And get this... The satisfaction, student satisfaction is an all-time high. You find me another university where more than 95% of their graduates say they'd recommend that institution to others. Athabasca University is online at athabascau.ca. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, I'm gonna tell you about two companies right now that are hiring, so I wanna get your attention. If you're an electrician, if you got your ticket, or if you're an apprentice looking to get there, or if you work in sales and you're looking to go to a company, that has a little bit of fun mixed in with being a real innovator in green energy in Canada, check out kubienergy.ca. In particular, the careers link. Kubi is hiring right now. Help them grow clean energy in Canada. They're working in uh, the Northwest Territories, Yukon, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and beyond. They keep the the pace fast, and at the office, they keep the beer cold as well. That's right, happy hour at Kubi Energy. Just one of the reasons why they're retaining their staff through the years. You can check out their work online, learn more about career opportunities again at kubienergy.ca. Apex Automation, also looking for professional engineers. It doesn't even matter your designation, doesn't matter your discipline, doesn't matter where you've been working in engineering. If you're a PNG, they they're looking to talk to you. Electrical, instrumentation, computer science, process, mechanical engineers, even instrumentation techs. Uh, They're growing their automation business faster than any other firm in Canada. In agriculture, in energy, in hospitality, and in tech, Apex Automation is leading the charge and putting their people ahead of profits. It's the bedrock upon which this company is built. You can check out the careers link at apexautomation.ca if you're looking to reach your true potential. Tyler Goshe and Manuela Lopez-Aldana are our scholarship recipients this year. The Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, both of them University of Alberta students. Manuela, uh, in media studies and sociology, and Tyler, in environmental and conservation sciences, conservation studies. Um, you talked about in your application how your family inspired you, uh, overcoming the odds, uh, managing, uh, dealing with, I don't have the adequate words, maybe you do, uh, with a system. Uh, That has perpetuated injustice against indigenous families uh, for many years in Canada. How does that impact you, Tyler, as a student and as an aspiring environmental professional to this day? It's uh, it's definitely inspiring. Uh,
2: Because like my family, for many generations, we had our backs up against the wall uh, in situations, no win scenarios. And they always persevere and pull through. And and because of them, I'm at where I'm at today and future generations
0: uh, are at a better advantage, too, because of them. So- I had a I had a an engineer. As, as a matter of fact, we were just talking about Apex Automation. I, I wish I could recall his name. I've never met him in person, but he sent me an email like a couple months ago. Um, in so-called and don't roll your eyes when I say this because I don't prefer the phrase but wildfire season uh, I feel like we're kind of normalizing it but wildfire season and he wrote in he's an engineer he said we need to be having a, a much bigger conversation about traditional indigenous fire management practices uh, we did have an interview on the show about that a couple of years ago but I, I vowed to him I promised him that we would do more and, and look into that how important is it for you Uh, In part, based maybe even on the influence of your dad uh, to be able to tap into and better understand and share uh, indigenous land management and and conservation principles over the course of your coming career. It's extremely important. It should be one of the top priorities to be looked into
2: because this knowledge uh, goes back uh, many, many years uh, way before the Confederation of Canada and they can explain some things that science just cannot explain Hmm. and it can be a great complement to
0: the environmental uh, sciences as well yeah do you remember like do you have childhood memories of like walking through the forest with your dad or walking you know walking through some of his favorite uh areas to explore and, and imparting some of that knowledge on you
2: yeah yeah uh just a lot more of uh uh, going on in the trails, uh, out deep in the forest, watching my dad and his natural tracking stil- skills yeah. navigate, and uh, telling me how, uh, telling me about the plants and uh, the animals and how they coexist uh, with the ever-changing environments as season goes by. Uh,
0: yeah, those are some, some sweet memories. Yeah, sounds like cherished memories. For no sure, kidding. absolutely. Yeah. Manuel, well, how important do you think it is? Like When you talk, um, the, the, the Indigenous I- experience in Canada is something that has resonated with you as well as an immigrant from Colombia. How, how was that line drawn? How, how did that really start to resonate with you to the point where now you're saying you want that to, to, to be a big influence on your career?
1: Well, um, my family has uh, Indigenous roots from Colombia, Uh, from the Pihal and Muisca, and when I started learning more about the situation of indigenous people here in Canada and the many different factors that play into it and how they're uh, I had a class with an amazing professor and he brought to my attention how they're bringing digital literacy and the programs that are being developed there. Uh, The one thing I kept seeing that was missing was online safety, and it just like sparked my attention even more because when I looked into a case in Colombia in one of the rural areas with indigenous communities over there, uh, it seems like a very similar situation where the access of the internet is not possible. Mm. And like for radio spectrum frequencies and even having to build their own uh, own internets over there, it's very, very hard, but here they're initiating and they're, uh, what's the word?
0: Maybe like integrating. I don't know where you're going. I'm kind
1: of like. They're taking the step ahead. Like they're. Yeah, like advancing. They're they're advancing. They're taking, like, they're going ahead and starting everything they need to do for themselves. And it's something that people in Colombia and those indigenous communities, it's not something that I thought you know we could have. I didn't know that was possible Like to have that initiative and the amazing impact it has when people like here have done. I wanna hopefully try to bring that over there because it's just amazing.
0: It, it would be impossible for, for someone like me uh, who's born and raised in a co- who still is living in the country where they were born and raised it would be impossible for someone like me to understand an, an immigrant or refugee experience to a new country. Uh, I could not possibly understand the challenges. I could not possibly understand some of the barriers. I could not possibly understand perhaps the, the alienation or, or the loneliness that someone may feel, the, the, the intimidating factors that may come into play. How important is it for you as an immigrant to Canada to apply your lived experience to help other immigrants to Canada, or immigrants to other countries for that matter?
1: I think from personal experience, I was, I didn't speak English. I felt very lonely when I moved here because it's not the same thing. You're just by yourself even in the classroom. And it was hard. And when, now that I think about it, even when it came to situations where I would need help, I didn't know who to turn to. And I think that's why I, hope to bring those programs that are in different languages as well. So people who are immigrants here who go through the same thing are able to have a voice and are able to reach out and have the resources that are available because there are available sources here in Canada. It's just the way that we find out about them because not everybody knows about them.
0: What's one thing that you wish that, that Canadians better understood about the immigrant experience?
1: there's a lot of or they're like a million <laughs> there's a lot. what and are the, a couple the first thing that comes to mind is that um people think less of you just because you don't know the language i used to be made fun of because i had an accent so i had to unlearn my accent mm-hmm. so i could integrate into the culture here um it's gotten a bit better with food as well but even my own customs and way of speaking and even the way I talked, because I talked really, really fast, I had to unlearn that because people would say, "I can't understand you. I don't know what you're saying." It's those sort of things, and even how our own family relations work. It's like in Colombia, it's like the family's all together and stuff, and it's like you're with your parents, and it's very close knit. And even going into like uh, high school, like people just like move away, like after when they graduate. But in Colombia, it's like you stay very, very, very close with your family.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you, you, you talk about, I mean, you, you a big part of your career aspiration is, is online literacy um, and helping people better understand Internet media and how to navigate it. Um, Tracy is watching us live right now on YouTube. She says in our chat, did you know that today is International Literacy Day? Isn't that cool?
1: I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, the timing very cool. of that's
0: really cool. So, so uh, Tracy says, if you've not yet checked out our our live chat, they're they're unreal, right? They've always got our back. They're they're helping us out. They do some fact checking. They let us know what's going on. Tracy says, if you've not yet checked out Canada's Skills for Success, please check out those resources today, which is is really neat. Oh. Um, and we have a lot of other people that have that have walked miles in your shoes in varying degrees. Uh, 80s Fanify on here says, uh, shout out to all great dads. I lost mine. Unexpectedly right when I began high school Um, You know others Zoe says my partner's mom died when he was in high school losing loved ones is is always so very hard Um, Ben says curiosity staying curious is one of our most strong character traits Uh, Tony she says Manuela brings back all of my memories when my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer All of my attention went to making sure he was okay and Tony says, get this, he passed three weeks after he was diagnosed, uh, which is hard to imagine. What would you like to say to people that, you know, can I be honest with you two? I'm, I, I was a little bit, I don't usually get nervous before interviews, I was a tiny little bit nervous about this because we're asking the two of you, young people, uh, to come in here and, and talk about, I'm assuming, the greatest loss in your life. Um, and a loss that you never, you don't, you don't ever move on. You know, you're never the same. Uh, what's what's what would be your message to people uh that that seek to better understand uh, the journey of somebody who's lost a parent to cancer at a young age what's something that you wish that people better understood tyler
2: uh i think uh just the huge gap it leaves behind It, it cannot be explained it's still a a void i try to uh to fill, uh, yeah, it's it's really difficult to put into words. But I think uh, the loneliness and uh, and the accomplishments that you make after losing a loved one, they do mean a lot more because you know, they're you're here because mm. uh, of your lost loved ones, of what they left behind. But uh, they also mean a bit less because they're not with you mm. uh, to celebrate it. So. Yeah, it's just uh, the loneliness that that a loss can bring, especially at such a young age. And trying to to cope as well when your mind is still developing too. So there's lots of mental challenges with that.
0: Yeah, beautifully said. Thank you for sharing. What's something that you wish people better understood?
1: I think, I would say, oh my gosh, this is a hard topic, but because you go from... The diagnosis, your life changing, to it revolving around the person who was diagnosed so you can help them as much as you can with what you can do. And I went from literally, it felt like running a marathon, running all the time and taking care of him, to now my life just like slowing down. And I think the hardest things is like, especially when you got closer to it and you know, the time's gonna happen because nothing can prepare you for it is like the things you won't get to experience with them especially um my dad wanted to see us graduate and he was like very close to seeing my sister graduate but the time didn't it didn't work
0: i want to thank you so much for sharing that i can't imagine how difficult it is to talk about and I want you to know how much of an impact that both of you are having on our audience and you know that other people in a similar circumstance, in a similar uh, nightmare, will listen to this uh, and I can guarantee we will respect and honor your courage in talking about it, but also find strength in, in your words. Um, it really is an unimaginable circumstance, uh, but the two of you have Carried forward, not moved on, but carried forward in remarkable fashion. And despite the fact that we're new friends, uh, we're all so very proud of you both. And you have a legion of people now that are cheering you on, that are in your corner. Um, I'm so excited that both of you have accepted our invitation to attend our Real Talk Golf Classic. That's going to be coming up on Thursday, June 20th of 2024 out at the Ranch Golf and Country Club and I I hope you're okay with shaking a whole bunch of people's hands because I already know there's a bunch of people that want to meet both of you, okay? I'm very excited. Me too. Do you guys play golf by chance? No.
1: (laughs) I used to go to the driving range with my dad.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Did he teach you how to swing a golf club or did you
1: teach him? No, he taught me. (laughs) I'm like, we got... Golf clubs at Goodwill, like we went together. Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get this. And no, he was better than added oh. than I was. But we won every like afternoon. Like a few days after he had treatment, we always won.
0: Well, you know, maybe you'll hit a hole in one for your dad at oh. our golf classic. You you want to know something? This past this past tournament of ours, a guy, uh, a guy hit a hole in one to win $20,000, by the way, nice. he hit a hole in one. And when you have a hole in one hole, we insure those, right? Cause we don't have to fork out scholarship cash, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so we get insurance and you have we have hole in one prizes on all, all, all the par threes. Uh, the insurance companies require that we have a witness there that sits on a lawn chair just beside the green to make sure that it actually goes in, to make sure the golfers don't just say they got a hole in one. Not like anybody would, but you wanna know who witnessed the hole in one at our tournament? Julie Rohr's dad. Wow. That's who is sitting on the green. He's the one who watched it go in. And he's convinced. He's convinced that that was a message. And mm-hmm. so it was a wonderful moment. That was the second annual. This will be the third annual, and we'll see you both there. I want to thank both of you for being here today and congratulate you on, on uh, your award on the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship and let you know how proud we are of you. It's Manuela Lopez Aldana and Tyler Goche. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Real Talkers, I want to let you know about something that's coming up on September 17th. Uh, Johnny, I'll just show my sh- screen here. This is all I'm doing is showing you Julie Rohr's Instagram. So you can see her online uh, on Instagram. It's Julie Rohr Yegg. That's R-O-H-R, Julie Rohr Yegg. Coming up on September 17th. Did you hear that the city of Edmonton has officially approved the naming of Julie Rohr Park? This is a beautiful park, 140th Street, 78th Avenue. And coming up on September 17th, uh, that's in in just a week or so. Uh, It's going to be next Sunday, basically. Uh, Sunday, September 17th from 2 to 5 p.m. We are gathering there. Uh, The event is free. Uh, but we're fundraising to make sure that we can improve the signage in that park. We're going to put in some local improvements, maybe some benches. And then who knows, depending on how the fundraising goes, I mean, sky's the limit for Julie Rohr Park. You are warmly invited to the naming celebration and this fundraiser. I'm going to be telling you about this over the next week or so. I'm proud to be hosting it. We're going to have a live auction there. There's going to be food trucks, live music, special guests. It's going to be a wonderful day. Um, It's going to be just one day past the two-year anniversary of Julie's passing as well. Uh, So our hearts will be heavy and full at the same time. But I would love to see a couple hundred of you out there with us. It's, again, Sunday, September 17th, 2 to 5 p.m. at Julie Rohr Park. That's on 140th Street and 78th Avenue. want to recognize I saw many of you in the live chat thinking and talking about julie's family and i'll share a few more thoughts on that in just a second i wanted to let you know that this conversation has been supported by and presented by real talk sponsors who walk the walk Uh, the friends of ours the families that own the dairy queens of northwest edmonton and sherwood park they were there on the 10th tee box at the real talk golf classic they believe in this scholarship and yeah, the Dilly Bar shooters going there. Well, the September blizzard of the month at those DQs, the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. September's blizzard of the month is the Pumpkin Pie Blizzard treat. This is the classic fall DQ flavor, featuring the world famous soft serve mixed with real pumpkin pie pieces, garnished with whipped topping and nutmeg, the most quintessential fall spice. This is the immediate fall escape for the pumpkin fanatic at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Hey, it's the Alberta Beef Roundup coming up at Friesen Brothers across the province of Alberta. 16 different locations, all of them still family owned. And this is kicking off. There's a big event coming up. It's the annual corn roast. It's a cherished tradition at Friesen Brothers. It goes sort of kicking off harvest season. That's the big celebration Uh, on September 9th. This is tomorrow, Saturday from noon to 4. You can visit your local Friesen Brothers store, any of them across Alberta for an enjoyable afternoon with community. A great opportunity to immerse yourself in the spirit of the Alberta Beef Roundup and we're going to be talking more about that in just a quick second. The Alberta Beef Roundup at Friesen Brothers goes next week and uh you can find all the details online on their website freezon.com that's f-r-e-s-o-n ncom are you one of those alberta families that's uh, right now doing everything you can to get back to normal after a flooding event or or even well not worse who's comparing them but bigger magnitude community-wise sometimes with these wildfire fallouts Complete Care Restoration's been there. They've been there in Slave Lake. They've been there in Fort McMurray. This is a company of professionals that understands the loss that comes with natural disaster, and they understand the priority of getting you back on your feet again. Whether it's your home or business, you're going to want to trust things like fire or flood restoration, mold or asbestos removal to the professionals. They have a team of trained and certified technicians that ensure hazardous substances, for example, are properly addressed. The safety of you and your family, as well as theirs, is of utmost importance. It's why they're the most professional team that we've ever seen at work in construction. They built our studio You can see them and get more details on what they do at CompleteCareRestoration.ca. And a big shout out to our friends at Eden Landscaping. Uh, I know the leaves are falling, but their team is still at it full swing. I know that because I talked to Mike yesterday. They don't hang up their shovels. They don't hang up their boots until the ground is frozen. And then what do they do? Well, then they start planning for the spring. They're a custom landscape builder with more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area. Yeah, the application, the installation, the construction is great. These guys are master planners. You just wait till you tell them about your vision, and then you see the finished product, 3D rendered plans. It'll blow your mind. Just like it blew ours. we're proud to partner with Eden Landscaping, and you can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. want to give a shout out to uh ken who's watching us uh live ken ken's one of our regulars in our live chat and, and a mm-hmm. huge uh, huge supporter of the show and and ken just tossed us through this is through super chat right jenny i'm uh, johnny i'm getting the phrase correct yeah, yeah. uh through ch- super chat he's it, ken has contributed 20 dollars to the show today hey. uh he says this is why i joined the real talk patreon thanks ken he says and this is why i contribute to the show and its causes thanks so much man this is uh Big shout out from our live studio audience hanging out behind Johnny this morning. Uh, But that really means a lot to us, Ken. And and this is a show where when we say keep it real, that actually means something. It's not just a tagline. And I got to tell you, my heart is absolutely full after talking to Manuel and Mm -hmm. Tyler, two remarkable young people. Yeah. Great stories. Amazing to watch her mom, Claudia, watch her daughter in action in the Mm -hmm. interview and just see that pride there, you know? Yeah. Well, I say great stories. It's not great what happened, but it's it's horrible what happened. But the determination and everything that gets forged from Instances like that that happen to you and, and your family—it's great to see—and just an amazing. It's going to be bigger and better next year. I can't wait. Two scholarships this year. I oh, have something. Be great I, Yeah, I don't even know if I'm if I'm supposed to make this announcement. <laughs> I but was who cares? that's why I'm kind of
1: nudging you it, but you, I don't know. Yeah,
0: you're nudging. Well, so we uh, yeah, who cares? Let's announce it. So, so if if you've listened to this point in the episode, you deserve to know this first and hear this first. Um we uh if, if you were at the Golf Classic, if you were there, uh, Hani uh, Uma Umahani Bambewala, who you've heard on the show last year, she was the inaugural recipient of the scholarship. Uh just uh, like blew our mind at the dinner. So she got up to speak And um, if you've I've hosted, I don't know, 200 golf tournaments in my day Mm -hmm. and half the people are hammered and everyone's having a great time. And so it's loud and uh, noisy and a little bit obnoxious, but also super fun. And but you cannot wrangle the audience. You got to kind of do as a host. It's tough to get everybody to just be quiet and listen to the speaker. You could have heard a pin drop when Hani was speaking Mm -hmm. at our golf classic. Like people uh, had tears in their eyes and the power of her message. And so our editorial board gets together. This was a few weeks ago. And, and we're we had our finalists uh, identified for this scholarship, the the applications that had ticked all the boxes, right? They could prove they were enrolled in post-secondary. They had their two letters of reference. By the way, go to Ryan slash scholarship. Uh, applications are already open for next year. So if, you, if this is somebody, if, you, if this is you or somebody that you know, a post-secondary student that's lost a parent to cancer, we welcome your application. You can apply through the year. And so our editorial board's talking, and they're and they're going through these applications, and, and it's a very difficult, um, it's a very difficult decision that they're faced with because the minimum criteria for applying for the scholarship is that you have to have lost a parent to cancer. So yeah. every applicant has lived a nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Um, and so they go, well, how are we to choose? And ultimately, we decided that they didn't have to choose, and we could award both. But they also sat there and said, but Honey, what about Honey? I mean, she's entering her second year of nursing yeah. at the University of Alberta. And and what did she win? You know, she wins the scholarship one year, five thousand dollars. What would do her financial burdens just disappear? No. And so we've decided to establish the Real Talk Julie Rohr Fellowship, uh, which now means and we've informed Hani of this just a few days ago that we're going to be supporting her thanks to real talkers like you. Uh, we're going to be able to support Hani through her second year of university of post-secondary studies. We don't know yet exactly how the the fellowship will, will work or how you'll qualify. And these are things that will, you know, obviously uh, open those details to you so you can all better understand it as supporters of this show, as patrons of this show. Uh, but that's something that we're so proud of. Is, and and I know that Julie would be so happy about this. One of the things that Julie and I talked about, and this was days before we lost our dear friend, uh, before she passed, Um, Julie talked about the alumni of this scholarship and Mm -hmm. and how her legacy would continue to live on. She didn't use that exact word. Those were the words I used, but. In her name, the fundraising that's happening here and the support for these students, when when people like Hani and Manuela and Tyler are into their careers five or 10 or 15 years down the line and you look at the contributions that they'll be making in their communities, I absolutely cannot wait to see it. And we sure appreciate it. this stuff would not happen uh, without real talkers like you. Um, I also wanted to acknowledge something that's still tough for us to talk about. But I did see some of you in the live chat talking about our dear friend Supriya, uh, Sapria DeVetti, who who lost her husband Anoop, as you know, several weeks ago um, in a very aggressive uh, form of lung cancer from from uh, diagnosis to his passing in less than six months. And um, and we just wanted to acknowledge that um, I know that many of you miss hearing Supri on the show. So do we. She she was joining us every Friday. And then, of course, as you know, on Wednesdays, Johnny was producing for us seriously, which was such a fun project and will be again um, if and when Supri is ready to, to resume. But we just wanted to I want to say her name. I want to say his name and I want to honor their family and, and let them know that we're thinking of them all the time and uh, i thank those of you that continue to remember her and that continue to honor her in our live chat this was a big week on the show as we talked about education uh, in particular uh, based off of this alberta views cover story oh sorry johnny did i accidentally just show the 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 back cover of alberta views there with that big real talk full color Uh, look at that look at that (laughs) on the rear but i wanted to let you know the bursting at the seams this is their cover story this is uh, penned by lawrence mile Uh, he's the author of that he's a brand new kindergarten parent and uh, he joined us uh, along along with uh, carly wren uh, who's a, a, a elementary school teacher Um, in Alberta uh, for a a roundtable you have to hear uh, this was on Wednesday of this show this is our September 6th episode and it resonated with a lot of you Uh, we've got a bunch of emails some of them aren't aren't necessarily as fiery so we're saving them uh, down the line but a few of them uh gave us fodder for uh the decision the easy decision to to bring forth an all education version of trash talk you know this is our uh, tradition every single friday it's presented by our friends at local environmental services it's a chance for you to blow off a little steam these are all real emails received from real talkers to talk at ryan who want to use this platform to amplify their message we call it trash talk all right this one from kenneth who writes in to say hey what a great episode there real talk as a parent with two kids in the calgary system uh grade 12 and now one in a chartered school in kindergarten way to go kenneth grade 12 in kindergarten my man says i can say without a shadow of a doubt that private and charter schools should not receive the same per student funding if any as those in the regular public system. We talked about this with our panelists on Wednesday. He says the lack of resources for the schools where any child shows up and must be accepted, unbelievable. He says any parent that wants their kid in a chartered or private school should pay out of pocket for their kid's education. Any school where they can select which students they're accepting, uh, whether through payment or through lottery systems, should not receive the same funding. when when my two eldest, twin 17-year-old girls were in grade 7, their class size was like 25 students. When they left grade 9, their class size was 40! 40! He says, now we live in the constituency of Calgary Elbow, and those who can send their kids to private schools, they do. Their lives would not be negatively impacted if more funding was channeled to the regular public school system. Even my kindergarten-age daughter, if she didn't get drawn in that chartered school lottery, I would have ponied up and sent her to private school because the class sizes that I've seen with our two older daughters unbelievable this is a major problem says Kenneth and if we want the best adults entering the working world the province needs to get serious about investing in public education thank you to real talk for shining light on this that from Kenneth you got it pal what about this one from Dallas who says I listened to your episode Ryan bursting at the seams wonderful guests who did a great job of highlighting some of the urban problems in our schools What? Says Dallas, rural is a completely different ball game. I mean, true rural, not like Lethbridge or Camrose or Red Deer. Those are urban centers. Says, I'm the parent of two kids. One of them entering college, the second, fourth year of high school. OK, I've been very involved in local school councils the entire time, even six years as chair. Now, both kids moved away from home after graduating to do a fourth year because our school doesn't have anything to offer them. The local school doesn't even have core options available, right? It's like the second largest school in the division. Uh, Beginning this year, they're even busing high school kids to another location just so they can take shop classes. But we have a great facility. We used to have amazing programs when my husband attended there in the 1980s. Now, our first kid wanted to learn more about drama. The principal told him I should just take him to a larger community theater group. That's all he needed. Why should I bother with formal education for him, I was told? Because he's on the autism spectrum. They said it's not realistic. He's not going to learn by osmosis. Plus, he wants to act as a career if possible. He needs a foundation foundation. I've seen him just blossom. After having the privilege of taking drama classes, he's grown so much, so much with just a little bit of formal education. I wonder, says Dallas How many potential Michael J. Foxes or Jim Carrey's or Nathan Fillion's or Andrea Martins are in rural areas but will never experience theater or get to see them do their thing without any foundational knowledge at play? Our second kid wants welding and mechanics as a career, plus to upgrade. He's excited for school for the first time in years. I've seen this government say they want to support trades but there's no support for it in our public school. There's no support at all. Now, I had a recent conversation with a past trustee who told me the public has no idea how much funding has been cut from public education. Why are we allowing cuts that are so deeply affecting rural schools to the point where we can't even offer a basic, well-rounded education to rural kids? Urban schools get cool programs. Rural schools can't even keep the basics. The entire funding model needs to change. Stop basing it on the numbers of kids there it is starving our rural areas signing off as the perspective of an involved parent that's dallas and this from how do you pronounce s-t-e-a-n is it steen stein 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 i apologize this is from s-t-e-a-n and your subject line grabbed my full attention pissed off teacher I recently finished, Jespo listening to your September 6th episode on class sizes and public education. As an elementary teacher, I appreciated everything that both guests brought to the table. I agree wholeheartedly with the vast majority of what they said. But even though I found the conversation sad but optimistic, I left feeling pissed off. I had to stop and analyze my own feelings about why I felt that way because I honestly couldn't pinpoint the exact reason. After a beer and a think a boy. Drink about it. Says, so I seem to figure it out. What bugged me about the show was it felt like nobody is seeing this side personally from a teacher's point of view. He said, no, you did have a teacher on the panel. And Carly sounds like an amazing teacher. And I agreed with the substance of what she had to say. But it smacked of something that teachers hear all the time from the public, from our colleagues. That's like, we're always like selfless. And we will do anything for our kids. And it's all worth it for the kids. This is frankly, is the bullshit that the sun is always shining mentality that leads to burnout and mental health problems, and I'm over it. Says, my fellow teachers go to amazing lengths to help kids succeed, sacrificing their own health and happiness in the process. I've done it to myself, and quite frankly, I'll continue to do it, but the challenges over these past few years seem insurmountable. This is a snapshot of my grade three class this year. Now, for reference, I teach in a lower middle income area of North Edmonton, okay? I have 26 kids in my class. 13 of them are below grade level in either math or language arts, half the class. Three of them speak no English. They're recent refugees from Syria. Three of my children, of our my students, are living with autism. One of them has an aide that can't leave her side, and two of them are living with fetal alcohol syndrome. Just writing it out to you, Ryan, gives me anxiety. On top of that, teachers are people that have regular people problems. Like I, for example, am dealing with a dad who has early-onset dementia and will be in care over the next few months. We are all dealing with something outside of school. So when I hear other teachers making us out to be super people who are selfless and care about the kids, it hides the pain that many teachers are hiding. It makes me feel guilty for acknowledging that some of our situations are brutal. We are asked to be the rock for our class when many of us are about to crack. Thank you for listening. That from a pissed off teacher. You can send us your trash talk, praise for teachers, or any other feedback on our shows to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We're back at it on Monday morning live right here from the Real Talk studio. We hope you'll join us and have a great weekend.
1: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie cook Chivers. Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources, Lena Shepherd. Website Design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree. Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.